Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Crisis Management, the podcast edition. I'm Jeff Lagerquist. Canada's economy is healing its wounds from COVID-19. Last week, the Bank of Canada said businesses are brimming with confidence as the reopening builds momentum. The bank said hiring intentions hit an all-time high as employers look to return to normal. The problem is industries from hospitality to manufacturing to construction are struggling to find workers. The pandemic, of course, has halted the flow of immigrants that Canada has long relied upon to ease its labor shortcomings. Sean Spear from the Public Policy Forum told me the fix is not as simple as reopening the country to newcomers. I asked Sean how he sees the situation evolving. I think this is uh, you know, one of the most important long-term issues facing the country, uh, Jeff. You know, one of the consequences of the pandemic is it's placed so much attention on, on the question of unemployment. But that unemployment was obviously uh, contingent on a pretty extraordinary set of circumstances and was in, you know, inherently short-term in nature. But the risk is it sort of detracts from this bigger question, which is the biggest um, impediment facing uh, long-term economic growth isn't too much labor. It isn't unemployment issues. It's precisely the opposite, that primarily because of demographic reasons, um, we're going to have more jobs than people. Um, and so it, you know, there are different ways in which we're going to have to tackle that question. Part of it is uh, encouraging firms to invest in um, capital and technology um, so as to um, you know, minimize the need um, for labor. You know, an, another thing we're going to have to do is um, help those who've been dislocated from certain jobs or certain industries have the, the skills that they need uh, to fill positions in in-demand um, sectors and occupations. And then the last thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to pull um, people off the sidelines. We have, you know, different marginalized groups in our society. I'm thinking of indigenous peoples, um, disabled Canadians, and so on, who for too long have not fully participated um, in Canada's economy. And, you know, there are sort of moral issues at play there. But fundamentally, these are, these are major economic issues. Um, you know, at a time when we're facing large-scale labor shortages, we, we need to be maximizing the human capital of all Canadians. And so, uh, you know, I think it'll be an even more important question going forward. How do we ensure that, that uh, groups in our society that have um, underperformed uh, relative to the national average on employment and labor force participation and so on, how do we pull those people into the economy uh, to the betterment of, of them and their, their families, of course, um, but also to support um, e economic uh, growth uh, across the country? Now, Canada does have an aging population, and um, we know that uh, immigration has certainly been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how meaningful is that piece in this overall situation? I know an economist at Capital Economics recently said he expects immigration to remain low well into 2022. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, it's, there's no doubt that something like the pandemic is going to have at least some um, medium-term effect on on immigration. Um, more generally, Jeff, I would say immigration, you know, no doubt will be part of the the mix of of tools at our disposal in terms of addressing um, this question of, of labor market shortage. But I, I worry sometimes that policymakers and commentators place too much emphasis on immigration as the kind of principal solution to our labor shortages. You know, I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, we, we don't have a, a great track record of actually um, utilizing um, human capital of Canadian immigrants, you know, for different reasons, including foreign credential issues. Too often we have immigrants in occupations where we're not maximizing um, their, their skills and experience. The second, of course, is immigration primarily concentrates um, in a small number of, of major centers in the in the in the country, um, and that carries with it um, other consequences, including uh, contributing to, to to rising house prices. So. I guess that's a long way of saying, yes, uh, we absolutely need to continue to be committed to immigration. Um, you know, but I think um, seeing it as um, the primary means by which we'll address our long-term labor shortages is a bit mistaken. And, and in some ways um, precludes a conversation about some of the other issues that I raised, you know, spending on technology, um, skills training for those who are dislocated from one job and who we need to help move to others. And then uh, I think most importantly, helping underrepresented groups in our economy participate um, ha at higher rates. I, those, it seems to me, are, are least as important as immigration and perhaps more in terms of addressing some of these um, longer term challenges facing the Canadian economy. John, in one of your previous answers, you mentioned uh, the Indigenous population, and we recently got a new Governor General. Mary Simon is set to become Canada's first Indigenous Governor General, replacing Julie Payette. Um, among her, uh, the other strong points on her resume is her work to promote responsible economic development on Inuit territory in the North. Um, as we know, the, the employment rate for Indigenous Canadians, 25 to 54, has lagged the non-Indigenous population by about 10% since 2016. Um, how do we engage that work for us. I know that Indigenous people are one of the fastest growing demographics in Canada. Um, how, how do we um, do better putting them to work and uh, driving the economy? It's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, it's worth it's worth acknowledging, um, you know, that this conversation is occurring at a pretty extraordinary time in, in Canadian history, where, of course, um, we're, we're reckoning with, um, you know, the, the legacy of the Indian residential school system and the long-term consequences of the Indian residential school system for Indigenous peoples in our in our country, and 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 what that means for this process of reconciliation, I would just say, Jeff, that um, you know it seems to me reconciliation comes in in different forms. You know, part of that is the um, historical recognition of uh, of the uh, illiberal treatment of uh, of Indigenous peoples in our country. But part of it has to be forward-looking too. It has to reconciliation um, for um, the current generation of Indigenous people and future generation means a more inclusive economy, greater participation in, in the economy, more jobs and opportunity. And, and I think one of the, um, as you say, most interesting things about the incoming Governor General is that um, she's, uh, over the course of her career, um, has really committed herself to that that goal of how do we look forward um, and create 
more and 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 different opportunities for indigenous peoples. Um, and I would just say a couple of things quickly. First, as you mentioned, um, indigenous populations have underperformed the national average on a range of economic metrics for some time. You know, closing those gaps, um, you, you know, not only will help indigenous people in their communities, but will be a boost to 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 uh, the economy overall. Um, and and the, the second thing I'd say is that there's some really exciting things happening in, in indigenous communities across the country. We're seeing, you know, new pathways for indigenous entrepreneurship. Um, the Alberta government has launched a new financing corporation to help indigenous communities acquire equity states and resource projects. So, you know, a lot of the discussion in recent um, days and, and weeks has been, you know, difficult and challenging, and, and that's, you know, well justified. But I wouldn't want to detract from really some of the exciting opportunities and possibilities that are occurring across the country and um, and which represent a, a kind of future for Indigenous peoples that's um, different um, than the past. So as Sean said, there's a lot at play when it comes to addressing Canada's long-term labour imbalance. Of course, Canada is not the only country facing an aging population and marginalized Indigenous demographics. After we wrapped up the live show, I asked Sean what we can learn from other countries and why some of these issues are more acute in Canada than other parts of the globe. Here's what he had to say. You know, you're right to observe, um, you know, that we are not the only ones going through some of these big secular challenges associated with, with um, labor shortages. On, on the other hand, though, um, it is true that Canada's baby boom um, is amongst the largest in um, in the advanced world um, as a share of the overall population. And of course, some of the, the challenges that um, within our indigenous population are, are significant even relative to um, you know, the challenges facing minority groups in, in other countries. So that, that's a long way of saying we, we certainly can and should learn from what different jurisdictions are doing in terms of, of pulling some of these uh, marginalized groups um, from off the sidelines and into the economy. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, and, and this, I guess, what makes it such a, an important issue. In some ways, Jeff, um, these challenges are, are, are more marked and more acute um, for Canada because of the size of our baby boom and because of some of the structural challenges facing our Indigenous population. And it, it's going to require um, a, a real commitment on the part of policymakers, um, businesses, trade unions, and so on to address them. If I could just make one point um, on the subject of Canada's Indigenous population, um, you know, over the past, as we talked about on the live stream show um, over the past several weeks, you know, the, the entire country has been grappling with the legacy of the Indian residential school system um, and the need for greater progress on reconciliation uh, with our indigenous population, you know, I think um, that's a, a, a necessary step. My only, you know, my only comment would be as we grapple with um, the, the past, we can't afford to take our eye off the future as well. Um, and, and that means um, creating more opportunity for um, current indigenous peoples and future indigenous peoples um, to participate more fully in Canada's economy, you know, it, it seems to me that that's a crucial part of an overall reconciliation agenda. And 
you know, that's going to involve access to capital. It's going to involve education. It's going to involve, you know, better health care, better child care, all of the things in all of the areas in which, um, you know, for too long, Canada's indigenous population has underperformed the rest of the country. You know, one hopes that um, the experience of recent weeks is a sort of catalyst for uh, real change that en enables uh, indigenous peoples across the country to be um, full participants in prosperity. You know, it seems to me that if, if that were to happen, it would be, um, you, you know, something good coming out of, of the, 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 the tragedies that have been unearthed in, in Kamloops and Saskatchewan and, and, and elsewhere. All right, very well said. That's all we have time for today. You can find the latest video episodes of Crisis Management on the Yahoo Finance Canada website. If you'd like to hear more of this exclusive content in podcast form, make sure to subscribe. I'm Jeff Lagerquist. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.